Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Skyline. This podcast is dedicated to topics relating to UAPs, disclosure, and to experiencers of all kinds. I'm your host, Sheila Seppi, and our guest for this episode is Steve Bassett. Steve is a political advocate. He is a disclosure advocate. He is the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, founded in 1996 to end a government-imposed embargo on the truth behind extraterrestrial-related phenomenon. He has spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of disclosure. He's lectured at over 1,200 radio and television interviews, and he is a very active activist for us on behalf of the disclosure movement. Now, a lot of his information has been covered extensively by national and international media, including he has been featured on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and in the Washington Post and the New York Times. Now, some of you might remember Steve from the Citizens Hearing on Disclosure at the National Press Club, which he organized and conducted in 2013. So he also is the co-founder of the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance in Los Angeles, a new media-centric organization that works to align those working with the UAP ET research arenas writers, directors, producers, working across every facet of the globe and the entertainment industry. And so it is my honor and pleasure to have Steve with us today. Steve, thank you so much for being here and welcome to Beyond the Skyline. My pleasure. Thanks. You know, one of the main issues that we have um, about this disclosure movement is truly the lack of, uh, not the lack of credible witnesses or whistleblowers. It seems to be the lack of the political buy-in and the changes that need to occur within the political structure. And I know that you have really taken, this has become a passion of yours to really uh, work with the legislators uh, to to be the voice. Uh, I was wondering if you could give us an idea a little bit about what's happening right now in D.C. Are there going to be new hearings? What happened in the last hearings? Uh, just kind of bring us up to date. Hmm. Well, there's a lot to say. As uh, a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm dealing mostly with the media and the, the general public Mm -hmm. uh, in, in my activist role, uh, my colleague Danny Sheehan and the New Paradigm Institute has been uh, dealing on the Hill. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Danny's been working and talking to quite a few people up there uh, right. and has been involved in many of the things that have been breaking over the last couple of years. Jim Gar uh, Garrison is now working with him uh, in the New Paradigm Institute office down by the Capitol. And then I have other colleagues that have been up on the Hill, like Ron James. Uh, MUFON has a, a lobbyist, uh, uh, actually company working for them. There are several other lobbyist groups are being formed. Um, so I am looking forward to starting to meet with some of these members. It's not easy. Uh, right. As an activist, I'm not a documentarist. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> if you like to get, you know, right. like, can we sit down and I'll interview you? You'll be in my wonderful documentary. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Now, I'm an activist and uh, pretty much say whatever the hell I want to say. And and I, and I take a very straightforward approach to this, uh, but I, I'm not really looking to cause a problem. I, I really want to help uh, right. provide perspective to them as they, they, they begin what is going to be a very difficult 
time, uh, and this is going to be true of every member of Congress, one way or the other, sure. but there are those that are out front, uh, they're going to be shepherding, whether they signed up for it or not, uh, the transition of the United States and the rest of the world uh, from a pre-disclosure era to a post-disclosure era. Yes. Uh, and they're going to be dealing with that. So in the last three years, more, more has happened, far more has happened in the political arena than in the previous 74 years. Right. right. That gives you an right. idea of how intense things are getting. So, yes, and we know, too, that a lot of public opinion is swayed by the media. So the role that you have taken on is huge to work with the media, to try to educate the media. So I want to thank you for that role and really all of your efforts in this disclosure movement. Again, shared by many, many other colleagues. Of course. The, the, in 2023, uh, on my... My uh, my print media archive, which is on my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, in the resources section, uh, I triage, I, I curate, actually, what I consider to be appropriate articles, uh, mm -hmm. including uh, those that are skeptical or debunking. Well, mostly skeptical. Debunking is, is not something uh, I, I, I accept. Uh, debunkers mm -hmm. are people that basically take skepticism to an inappropriate level. In any mm -hmm. event... Uh, logged in 800 and 1883 articles wow. 2023 triage from about 3000 uh there's maybe seven or eight skeptical pieces in there the rest is journalism uh engaging this issue and by that i mean engaging it in a way that's that's substantive and meaningful uh i i virtually do not include links to any lights in the sky stories mm -hmm. or strange cloud stories or mm -hmm. funny things um I mean, there's a lot of that, which is fine, because the, uh, the the interest in the public is huge, and these stories all get lots of eyeballs. So it's 1,883 pretty significant stories across a huge range of professional journalism. Nothing like that has happened before. Uh, the amount of coverage is now astronomical. So, and we're getting coverage from the major magazines, Slate, Salon, Vanity Fair, the Wall Street Journal, just an extensive piece. Okay. The Economist just did a piece on this issue uh wow. the top papers are now taking it absolutely seriously there's virtually no skepticism of, of any significance turning up a little here a little there but overall no they know what's going on they know yes. more than they are writing about but they are writing within certain parameters because again this is an extremely complicated and somewhat controversial process underway Mm -hmm. uh, but I have no fear that the American and, and international English language journalists, uh, knowing that this is the biggest news story of all time, are yes. going to write more and more significant uh, articles on the unfolding process, which just is another reason why the, the truth embargo was done and that the president needs to uh, uh, help, well... That president needs to get the service, uh, not the service, to get the benefit of some powerful hearings on Capitol Hill in front of the Senate Intel Committee uh, so that the president can come forward and end this embargo as soon as possible. Awesome. Now, I have a personal question. 
Is there a pivotal moment in your life that motivated you to become an advocate for the disclosure of government information regarding the UAPs to extraterrestrial life? The closest thing to a pivotal moment was simply uh, the decision I made in the fall of 1995 that this is where I wanted to go. I had no constraints on my, me at all. Uh, I had no business or uh, uh, employment kinds of uh, constraints. I had no family constraints of any kind. I could do whatever I wanted, but I wanted to do something that was meaningful and, and money was not the issue. I, mean, I was prepared to volunteer and I did. And the pivotal mo moment was when I read John Mack's book, Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens. And this incredible man with a Pulitzer Prize and an extraordinary career uh, as an activist and a psychiatrist had set up an organization to study contactees uh, near Harvard. Uh, it was called the Program for Extraordinary Experience Research. Mm -hmm. I read the book and I said, this is a milestone thing. Uh, plus, I learned of the, the, the symposium that John Mack and Dr. Pritchard put, put together and held on the MIT campus. This is 92. Uh, there, I have the symposium of that sitting behind me somewhere, or, or is it, maybe it's out in, uh, no, I have it. Hang on a second. Let me see okay. if I can get that. Great. Uh, one of the, and let me see if I can take, the, yeah, uh, let's see if I can uh, turn the uh, uh, phone into, uh, no, I'll take it off of that. Hang on. Uh, it is right here. Hang on. Okay. Uh, this and when I read John Mack's book, um, when I read John Mack's book, Abduction, I also learned about this. All right. Okay. Okay. This is the Alien Discussions, Proceedings of the Abduction Study Conference held at MIT, put together by Andrea Pritchard, David E. Pritchard, John Mack, Pam Casey, Claudia Yap as editors. And this is the results of that. This is this is serious study for, uh, and serious accounts uh, including contactee reports, 1992 on the MIT campus. So I'm going, this is it, right? This is it. And I've got to make a decision. And the decision was I'm jumping in. Uh, and I got really lucky because in the back of that book was the, uh, uh, let me just get rid of this, was the, uh, okay, hang on a second. Just got to get back to the screen I want. Hello. Come here. Come here. Ah, oh, Lordy. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, I've lost my screen somehow. I don't know how that is. Let me see if I can get it back. Um, hmm. Okay. One moment. It should be right here. Okay, there it is. Hi. Great. Um, I, I I had I had the contact information, so I contacted the the peer program for extraordinary experience research and convinced them to let me come and volunteer. And that's that was how it started. So the book was key. Mm -hmm. uh, meeting John Mack was uh, an extraordinary pleasure. It was when I first interacted with contactees. I had read about it, but I had not never met one. So that was interesting. And I spent four months there. Uh soaking it all up and and that gave me the time to then make the real decision was okay mm -hmm. what am i going to do because i i'm not a i don't have a degree in psychology and 
I'm not really a researcher. What I am at heart and always have been is an activist. And so mm -hmm. I decided mm -hmm. activist is what I'm going to be. And how would I start? I happen to know Was Washington, D.C. very well. I happen to have family living there since 1920. I uh, worked there. I said, I'm going to go to Washington. I'm going to register as a lobbyist. I'll be the first one to do it. The Washington Post will write about it. And I'll, and I'll be, uh, that will be what I'm going to do. And that's exactly what happened. I arrived awesome. on July the 4th of 1996. I registered as a lobbyist within two weeks. It took about four months. They sent out a reporter, big article in the Washington Post with a big photo uh, holding, by the way, that, that book, right, that I just showed you. Yes. And that gave me some credibility. Um, who is this crazy individual who's working for free to actually, quote, lobby? Now, have, did I do a lot of lobbying? <laughs> no, I didn't, right? Why? Because no money, right? no, no salary, no income, uh, no money to donate to any candidates. The issue was still verboten, really. Uh, was in the earliest stages of the of the of the final phase of of the truth embargo, but what I did do was start engaging the media. I said the one thing I can do from an office with the internet and a computer and so forth is really engage the media and start generating uh, coverage. Uh, and I had just in terms of paradigm research group, though lately. Not so much because there's so many people out there soaking up the coverage, competing for the attention of the media. God, I wish I had a jellyfish uh, <laughs> that it's not, not so easy. Right. The point right, is that right. uh, over six, almost 600 articles uh, since 1996 has been written about PRG and, and my work. And, and then, of course, I've generated hundreds more on the subject. That's how I quote was an activist. Also, uh, I, I brought uh, people together for conferences and so forth. Yes. Now I'm about to really start lobbying. <laughs> really. After only 26 years, it's time to really That's lobby. Uh, okay. And I, I'm, I'm about to send out a request to meet with uh, about a dozen members. Uh, I'll probably get in front of a couple mm -hmm. legislative aides with others and see if I just can't work my way up to having a substantial presence uh, on the Hill uh, as someone who wants to help, not right. not not create trouble, but just provide perspective to these members who are 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 involved in the most profound event in human history. At the same time, they're dealing with a whole a plethora of very difficult political problems, right? Uh, both geopolitical and national, uh, and and if I can help. Because I have some knowledge that they don't have and a perspective as an activist that they're not getting. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, that'll be starting very soon. Now, as you've begun to work with the media, um, how do you address the skepticism or even the public skepticism about the UAPs or UFOs and the government secrecy regarding, you know, the extraterrestrial cover ups? How do you how do you work with that? First of all, you you use the right language. It's not a cover up. It's a truth embargo. Yes. And that's the term I came up with back in the, around 2000. Uh, a cover up means cr criminal activity. That is not how you get people to talk to you by saying, yeah. you know, you're a criminal and I want to talk to you about right. that criminal activity you're doing. So right. that helped. Um, trying to use UAP eventually. Beautiful. And things like that. Lang the right language, the right tone. Perfect. Secondly, you're not the enemy. 
Thirdly, uh, I, I didn't hide anything. No, no secret stuff, no uh, encryption, all that. Uh, tap my phone, please. In other words, I'm not trying to hide anything from you. You're welcome to know everything I'm doing. Uh, that way you, 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 you won't end up speculating uh, about it and getting concerned. You know exactly what's going on. You got a problem? Call me up. Tell me. So I dealt with it that way. In terms of skepticism, I don't serve it. Somebody wants to be skeptical, fine, they can be as skeptical as they want. If they want to, to spend hours of my time explaining to me their skepticism, no, I, I don't have time for that. Uh, I knew there was an ET presence when I was a teenager, mm -hmm. simply from common sense, which, by the way, is in short supply and not so common <laughs> now. True. Right? But just reading the articles that were being printed in standard media, and there, there's been thousands and thousands of them, probably 30, 40,000 since 1947. Uh, but yeah, 40,000 if you if you include English, uh, I mean uh, foreign language press as well as English press. Mm -hmm. But if you just read those articles and, and just use common sense, yeah, there's extraterrestrials here. So I knew that then. Mm -hmm. Over the years, I, I became aware of the, the overwhelming proof of that. And so there's again, I'm just not interested in the, in the skeptical viewpoint. But I, you know, you're welcome to it. But I, I'm not going to service it. So I don't fight, I don't debate, I simply move forward. Beautiful. It's been proven. Now let's get the political problem solved. Right. So, you know, I would imagine that you have to also engage with the scientific community somewhat. Um, or if not, what role do you see science having in this exploration of UAPs? You mean the role it should have had starting in the 1940s? <laughs> That role. that role yeah that role <laughs> um uh, over the years the only science the only scientists that i really encountered were people in the uap world that were into the subject that happened to have some science background uh john mack was a scientist mm -hmm. he tried to do some science i think he got a, at least one scientific article published uh through peer while working at Pier or running Pier. Uh, then he got attacked by the, the university. Harvard uh, was very upset that he was doing these things because Harvard has absolutely been a coward on this issue for its entire history and certainly in the modern era to its total disgrace. And Yale and Princeton, all of them, MIT, Caltech, you name it. The scientific community on this issue committed probably the most egregious intellectual failure of all time making the intransigence of the Catholic Church regarding the work of uh, Galileo and Giordano Bruno and others regarding the solar system pale by comparison. They literally went into the tank on this issue, basically saying, we won't touch it, we won't study it, we will, we will undermine it, we will criticize it, we will, we will throw shade on people that, 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 that talk about it, we'll come on shows and use all our background and credentials to debunk it and so forth the entire 77 years. Um, well, until recently, uh, it's the most incredible act of intellectual cowardice we've ever seen. Uh, and we have 5,000 universities and colleges. Several million professors have gone through those colleges since 47. And with the exception of a David Jacobs, right, obviously a John Mack, who, of course, was attacked uh, by Harvard for, for trying to do some science. Um, 
And sort of scientists that got into the issue uh, as part of government programs, but were not really in the public arena until later we kind of learned about that. And some of these scientists are, are engaged in this issue that many have already passed. But be, unless you're working in government on this issue with full classification status, you're not going to be interacting with scientists. There were two, there were two uh, scientists working, I think, for the Navy labs that would hold a party once a year in Bethesda. And I went to one of those, maybe two of those, and they showed off their little UFO libraries in the, in the basement. And so they were cool. And I think the other scientists were coming there, but it was all sub, and it was all, you know, off the grid. Okay. Because they, they could not come forward. The truth embargo, literally, Howard, what's the word? Okay, essentially in, in, um, intimidated and froze essentially the entire United States academic community for these seven decades, meaning please don't, don't deal with this. There will be consequences, just leave it to us. You can't really handle the truth with all your PhDs and so forth, literally. And so no, I didn't deal with many scientists. Now, of course, again, because the truth embargo is practically over, you've got people like Gary Nolan, who is Dr. Nolan, who is an endowed professor at Stanford and a, in, a, in a Nobel Prize nominee going on several programs like News Nation and saying there's extraterrestrials here. And so, yeah, I, I've met Gary and I hope to see him again. Uh, so it's now you sort of have scientists doing that. He's not the only one. Avi Loeb is not there yet, but he's obviously uh, everywhere in terms of the extraterrestrial issue. He's not prepared to say there's ETs here yet, but then he he works for Harvard, you know, and he probably remembers what happened to John Mack. So, but that's all, so it's all changing. I assure you, the day that the day after the president of the United States finally ends the embargo and confirms the ET presence, meaning it's all on the table, it's all on the table, no more, no more nonsense, no more debunking. The day after that, the scientific community and across the planet is going to be really engaged. Uh, and every every scientist that's remotely connected, what could be an extraterrestrial matter, exobiology, and obviously astrophysics, astrophysics and so forth, every institution, uh, both English language and foreign, are gonna immediately start having meetings to say, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Uh, uh, what are we gonna set up? What grants are we gonna apply for? Uh, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? It's going to be unbelievably intense because they will finally either be able to, because they already knew or just found out that they are now sitting uh, and living as a scientist during the most extraordinary paradigm shift in the history of the human race. Uh, and the need for science in this issue will be off the charts. And so instantly, They'll all be on there and they'll be getting grants and money and all kinds of wonderful <laughs> things. And God bless them. But where were they uh, when James McDonald was out there all alone being uh, tracked and monitored and harassed by the government because he was a brilliant scientist studying the issue and giving exceptional lectures on it to scientific organizations at a time when it just wasn't allowed. Yeah. Yes, I, I can see there's going to be a huge shift in the scientific community. And actually, I think it's going to be really exciting because once the scientific community begins to embrace it, what type of 
you know, inventions? What type of technology are they going to be able to utilize for the betterment of humanity if they actually have the opportunity to study the craft? Well, so I'm excited yeah, for possibilities. This is an important point. Uh, one of the truth embargoes uh, problems um, for national security reasons, mm -hmm. the availability, the ability of the vast complex of science mm -hmm. uh, worldwide. There's 8 billion people here. There's a lot of scientists, a lot of geniuses. Mm -hmm. The vast, vast majority of all of those simply did not have access to the ET technology. Mm -hmm. It was confined to those that were willing to work under extreme classified status, select contractors who were already working with the government mm -hmm. and government scientists. So the intellectual spectrum, which is which is very, very big uh, on our planet, was shut out. And so the ability to to take that technology and can and and convert it to useful uh, um, uh, programs and projects that could serve the incredibly growing problems that the human race is facing was it, it didn't happen, right. uh, and 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 we we probably have paid an incredible price for that. Uh, at the same time, I think it's pretty much acknowledged that while developing that technology for the common good was not on the table weaponizing of that technology was almost certainly on the table and we still do not know and it'll be a while even with disclosure before we find out to what extent they have weaponized et uh, based technology either immediately derived or intellectually surmised based on studying it and then uh, altering the science uh i we, we need to know that we need to know that because it, it, are we at even greater risk because of this, quote, a, a possible ET technology weaponization race that is completely sub rosa. We know about the nuclear arms race, which is dangerous enough. It's moving forward quite nicely. Thank you. And so there's another thing about the truth embargo that needs to uh, that, that, it, that justifies the fact that it has to end and it has to end immediately. So because full disclosure is going to impact the entire human race, not just the population of the United States, are there or are you aware of any um, international organizations that have been formed to discuss how uh, the handling of disclosure is going to happen within their country? Uh, it, and I'll tell you, there's so much happening here. It's a I, I know there's so much going on there to think about somebody else's backyard is overwhelming. But I was just curious if you've become aware of any groups that um, may be investigating. There's a group in uh, Bulgaria that was put together by uh, Dr. Philip, but unfortunately he has passed. I do not know what happened to that group. Okay. Um, I do know there's 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 some plenty of activity in, in Italy uh, shepherded by Robert, Roberto Panotti. And several organizations there. I think you may have founded them all. There's activity in Mexico. There's, and by groups, there are a lot. Well, first of all, there are a lot of groups formed in the last few years, more than I can keep track of. And they're 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 nascent. I mean, they're they're small. 
Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of institutional stuff, that's all mm -hmm. going to be sub rosa. I mean, I, I'm sure that there there are some big shots that have, are coming together to form entities uh, that we know nothing about that will suddenly pop up. But one we do know about, of course, is Seoul, which is a think tank, scientific, I think, leaning think tank that was uh, put together and is, is uh, being led by uh, Dr. Gary Nolan. Uh, that's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, Danny Sheehan has put together a think tank called the New Tar Paradigm Institute. That's happening. Uh, and there, and, and but I think there's some others, uh, you know, for instance, I mean, Bill Gates could be putting together something right now, right? right. He could have already committed a hundred million dollars to it, right? But he's not going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they'll come together and they'll meet and what have you, and they'll be prepare themselves to how they're going to engage the post-disclosure world with the vast resources they have. The American public, of course, will still be sitting there waiting, waiting what, 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 what? I am a populist activist. Uh, let me be clear. My role is to serve the, 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 the people, not to serve institutions. Not that I'm not willing to help. The point is that the, the, the people are being left out of so much, not just the ET issue. It's right. kind of like, go away and, and leave us alone. We need to make right. a couple trillion dollars here. We need to, you know, move the moon, uh, you know, to a new place in the, in the solar system. Just get out of our way. Yeah, that, that's got to stop. And the people are starting to really demonstrate how irritated they are about being lied to and shut out. But I'm sure that there are some of these organizations formed and they will suddenly emerge. The post-disclosure world is going to be a free-for-all of small, medium, and huge organizations trying to address, benefit from, engage for various reasons and for various purposes, mm -hmm. the new world, which is what the post-paradigm uh, world will be. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I know a number of smaller ones. Uh, if I go into my file, I could mention them, but they're nascent and they're just basically citizen groups coming together to form stuff. However, they're, they're, they're moving, moving fast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, many of them will probably expand substantially. Hundreds of organizations will be extant within a year, hundreds and hundreds within a year of disclosure that didn't exist, uh, uh two years ago. So we briefly mentioned, and I'd like to circle back to the Paradigm Research Group and ask, um, do you have any future plans or goals that you want to share with us today? Sure. Okay. Uh, uh, Paradigm Research Group is going to convert to a think tank mm. very soon uh, and, 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 and file for nonprofit status uh, and start raising money uh, for the purposes of being a think tank, a small think tank. Uh, mm -hmm. but nicely positioned two blocks from the White House. Um, and I'll be working closely, and the, the Paradigm research, research Group will be working closely with the New Paradigm Institute, Danny Sheehan, uh, which is going to be far larger. I mean, it's going to be huge. Uh, I'm sure they're, they're, gonna, they're already raising money. Eventually, they're going to raise millions and millions of dollars. Feel free to go to Paradigm uh, the uh, New Paradigm Institute website, uh, which I think is New Paradigm Project uh, dot uh, org, but also I think they have the New Paradigm Institute dot org. But go there and donate. But some big money is going to turn up there, uh, and I'll be working closely with them. Uh, and and it's all about and what everything that I've done from the beginning has been about the post disclosure world. Mm -hmm. it, it's it wasn't oh I wanna I I, I wanna 
have somebody tell me there's ETs here. I already knew that. Right. Uh, I, I want to hear the president say it. Well, that, yeah, that would be nice. That will take five minutes. I've been at it for 27 years. I didn't expect it to be 27 years because I, for whatever reason, had a very strong sense of the implications of the post-disclosure world. You're, we're going to divide the, the history of, of humans uh, to some, some extent very soon as AD and uh, um, BD, after disclosure and before disclosure. In fact, uh, uh, my good friend and colleague, Richard Dolan, and my friend and colleague, uh, Bryce Abel, uh, wrote a book called AD, After Disclosure. Uh, and there are going to be a lot more books about, quote, after disclosure, post-disclosure. If I can I can get in the right spot, I might just write one myself. We'll see. Uh, but literally, you can divide history that way, after disclosure, before disclosure, mm -hmm. because these are two different worlds. And even though the ETs have been around probably for thousands of years, um, we never had disclosure. A right. bunch of ETs hanging out in Samaria being treated like gods is not what's happening now. Uh, we are a fully spacefaring, highly developed technological civilization, and they are not gods. They don't say they are gods, and we we don't treat them as gods. We treat them, and we'll be treating them, as uh, sentient beings with with the more advanced technologies um, and probably longer histories. Mm -hmm. But again, in a sense, we're, we're we're equal in the sense that we're both all of us, all of these ETs and the humans are yeah. sentient, technological, and and, and, and spacefaring. Uh, we are already spacefaring. We will soon probably be interstellar uh, because of the technology that is emerging and it's been emerging for some time. So this is this is essentially the coming out party, the bar mitzvah, uh, the um, uh, the the moment in which finally, we become part of a larger galactic reality and are able to engage these other civilizations within the limits that will be defined based upon where we are and where they are. That's not what was happening 2000 years ago. Right. Uh, and so this is the most profound event in human history and the world after disclosure, which I hope will come from the president within 30 days, frankly, uh, because uh, another another head of state's going to do it if he doesn't. Uh, and by the way, David Grush, the intelligence officer who yes. came forward to testify before the uh, House Oversight Subcommittee yes. uh, recently in a meeting in New York uh, where some very, very wealthy people brought him to to talk to some some real substantial individuals in a sort of mm -hmm. real private session that was supposed to remain completely confidential. But not surprisingly, at least one person decided, no, uh, <laughs> I'm going to let people know what's going on here, right? Right, right. Rush apparently alluded to the fact that he was aware there was another head of state considering possibly disclosing the ET presence and thus preempting President Biden. I've been saying this for 20 years. Right. So my message to the Senate Intel Committee is get the hearing done that you've promised. We have scores of witnesses ready to testify, witnesses that will blow the truth embargo out of the water. And that will make it possible for the president to disclose. Get that done, or you're going to be reading about disclosure on CNN International. We are running out of time. 
that's where things are right now. So I just want to mention that. The article about that, right, is is in, up on my website already, mm -hmm. Paradigm Research Group and the Print Media Archive. You can go see the article about David Grush's uh, a presentation in New York. It was put together by a Bitcoin billionaire and uh, I think a, a very prominent, uh, I think, attorney. So things are moving pretty fast. What can I say? Uh, I'm just trying to keep up. Well, it's definitely exciting times for sure. Absolutely. Now, oh, you asked me, you asked me about other things that I'm doing. Look, yes. Let me get that out of the way so we don't forget. Uh, here is how I'm responding to the process now. Here's what I'm able to do. Uh, one, I, I'm, 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 I'm running, or I say running, I created an activist, uh, citizen activist effort to help persuade the Senate Intel Committee to hold the hearings. Uh, and it's called shiftstorm.org, shiftstorm.org. If you go to that website, it, it's very, it simply tells you how it's very easy for you to send one, two, 10, 20, 30 tag tweets to all three, change the language though, just don't make the same thing over and over again, to all three of the key senators that will ultimately decide when these hearings happen. That's Senator Chuck Schumer, Senator Mark Warner, and Senator Marco Rubio. They all have Twitter accounts. And so you can tweet them, uh, tag tweet them at Senator Schumer. Uh, Senator, we would like to have those hearings right away. When are you going to do that? We want them. We want disclosure. Uh, at Senator Rubio, et cetera. And those all accumulate in their, their Twitter uh, um, uh, notifications box, which are monitored by their staff. And so if 10,000 uh, tagged messages turn up in their notification box. I assure the staff's going to call the, the senator and say, Senator, you need to check your, your Twitter account, right? Look at that Twitter box because like we're getting a whole lot of messages. That is underway now and they are getting those messages. Shiftstorm.org. If you're on Twitter any, any, anywhere in the world, I don't care who you are, what language you speak. If you're on Twitter, you can do this, right? Uh, now, we also have the links to their uh, email boxes or their email forms. They don't, you don't, they don't give out addresses uh, and you can send emails, but unless the address uh, in the form that you use to send the email to them uh, includes a, a, a address and uh, a zip code in their state, which is in this case, Florida, Virginia, or New York, uh, it will not go through. But if it has the, the, an address and a zip code, your message will go through. We'd like to see several thousand emails going into uh, Senator Schumer, Rubio, and uh, and Warner uh, as well. Now, yes. Don't call them. Don't drive them crazy with phone calls. That is not helpful. It, 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 it disrupts their business. Uh, it's inappropriate. Uh, if you know somebody in the office, though, or if you know the member, well, it's a little different. Give them a call and say, hey, John. It's Mike. Uh, you know, uh, I'm following this issue, and I hope uh, hope your boss will really consider getting those hearings. That's cool, but uh, we don't want to rain phone calls down. So that's the that's the shiftstorm.org. Now the other thing that I'm doing, uh, which has the potential to impact disclosure, is with my partner Dan Harari, uh, yes. who came up with the idea. We launched back in November the, the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. Uh, it is HollywoodDisclosureAlliance.org. Has about ninety members now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still of which in development, I am one. and which you are one. Yes. Uh, and it is an unusual organization. It is modeled after the Environmental Media Association, which was launched in I think nineteen eighty nine by Norm Lear and his wife. Yes. Uh, 
And that that organization, which was funded with millions of dollars and exists today and has obviously been working for 30 years, uh, was set up to to help the entire film industry, entertainment industry, and the entire environmental activist movement, which is vast, I assure you, the environmental activist movement uh, is hundreds of times, thousands of times bigger than the uh, disclosure activist movement, uh, because the environment is a big thing, right? Very complicated to help them find each other to create content that would service uh, the common good. Uh, and so that's what, exactly what we're doing with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. Yeah. We have a we have a group of Hollywood what we call founding members, which means entertainment industry founding member, and we have uh, UAP ET research activists, journalists, and so forth founding members, uh, and they are endorsing this project by the presence of their bio and photo uh, on the website. We have 20 uh, board members who are actually part of the 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 board of a nonprofit uh, corp who uh, whose primary role is is ambassadors, meaning they're going to be more active in terms of representing the HDA to the world and helping to bring in new members, new founding members, as well as uh, also vote on certain things from time to time. We have 20 of those, maybe 22 now. Uh, and the networking has already started, yes, but it's going to grow. And and lastly, uh, it's a it's a nonprofit, non-commercial entity. It doesn't it it will it doesn't make deals. It it doesn't uh, fund anything. Uh, it it doesn't participate in any arrangements or deals. It doesn't charge for membership. It will be funded through nonprofit. I mean, uh, tax-free donations, which we'll be able to receive very soon. Uh, and we think we'll get substantial funding and we'll be able to do some things, well, a lot more things in terms of the, uh, advancing the networking process. But the networking that takes place and what comes from that, that's all between the people that get together. We'll help them get together and they're going to go do their thing, right? Right. Uh, we don't consult in that sense and we don't deal and we are essentially uh, neutral, uh, but we're helping people create content. Uh, so that's what the Hollywood Disclosure uh, Alliance is. If you have a track record in the UAP issue and think you would like to be a founding member, feel free to contact me or Dan Harari. Our contact information is on the website. If you have a, a track record in the entertainment industry, film industry, even the uh, music industry, uh, and you'd like to be a founding member, contact us, and we'll certainly consider bringing you in as a founding member. There's no charge. It doesn't cost anything. Um, and all the information will be in the description below the video. So yes. people can just scroll down, find the links to all the websites, check everything out. Yes. So these awesome. are the two projects that are most active right now. Uh, then as soon as I get the 501c3 filed, uh, I'll reposition and restructure Paradigm Research Group as a think tank, which means redoing mm -hmm. the website, the whole nine yards. Um, and that will then tie directly into my efforts on the Hill and everything else. And in general, I mean, I'm, I think tanks are going to be not just, I mean, you know, they're not just be dealing with political stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, every institution in this, in this planet, in this country, uh, financial uh, uh, and uh, social institutions, uh, nonprofits and whatever 
uh, if they don't have people working there with a very deep knowledge of this subject, they need help. And uh, these think tanks are going to be there to help them. It may it may not be free, right? It may be free. It may not be. It just depends. Um, but because think tanks have to have to function, right? Um, and and so depending upon the amount of funding they get, they. But you know, if you're a company, I assure you, and you're a huge, a very substantial company, and and you're not understanding what's going on. Uh, you need consultation from somebody. It could be from just a consultant, right? And I'm happy to do that on the side. Uh, uh, don't get too many offers there, but I'm happy to do that on the side. A, a consultant that can really help you understand what's going on could be incredibly beneficial to your organization and how it fares in the post-disclosure world. If you don't think that the truth embargo is going to end, if you think we're never going to be told the truth, now you don't need that information. Right. But So these think tanks are going to be doing that they're going to be serving any aspect of society that needs information and understanding about this incredible event that's happening, whether they want it to happen or not. You know, I'm really curious your thoughts on um, this next question, because in many discussions that I've had with people as of late, and we're talking post-disclosure era, um, there's a lot of concern about their religious structures and how that the belief systems of the general population will shift so radically that, um, you know, belief systems are going to fall apart, uh, churches are going to close down. What are your thoughts about this? My thoughts are that that's not true. Uh, that they, this, this concept was pushed by the government. I mean, to the extent that they could, they did that. In other words, if you're trying to remember, the, the ET presence has never been a secret. Right. They're not. They're not. They're not hiding anything. It's out right there. I mean, they're hiding stuff and classifying it, but the presence is not a secret. So embargoing it is what they've done. And in order to do that, they got to keep people away from it. Right? Just get out of the way. Don't bother us. Go about your business, but don't talk about this. Right? right. That way, it's embargoed, and they don't have to 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 uh, respond to public demands. One way to embargo it is to convince everybody that everything will fall apart, religion will fall apart, mm -hmm. people will go crazy, yada, 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 yada. It's all nonsense. Not going to happen, right? Uh, first of all, there will be worldview change. Okay. And that, we desperately need that. Uh, and, and some people, it will be substantial, and other people, it'll be modest. But it will be universal, and that's what's important. In other words, it's one thing to have 25 people have a profound, extraordinary change of view. What's the impact of that on the world? Not much. But to have 8 billion people have a modest change of worldview in, in an important way, that is a big deal. And that's what the truth embargo is going to do. In terms of the religious stuff, that's over the last 10 years, easily, if not 15 years, it's quite clear religions are, 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 have no problem. No problem. The Catholic Church is so on board with this. It's it's. Uh, what can I say? I mean, they they they've just about done everything they can, but the Pope come out, you know, with an ET on the balcony and say, "This is my friend John." You know, he's from Beta Centauri, whatever the hell. Right. They've done that. The Muslim faith is 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 not has no problem with this. Uh, they have other problems, and the entire array of Asian religions don't have a problem with much of anything. Uh, there is some 
I think, concern amongst very strong fundamentalists, uh, certainly in the Christian faith. And that's fine. But they're okay. They're still here. Uh, and they've had years and years and years to know what's coming. It's not like they're going to be surprised by it. And if some of them are more troubled than others, I understand that. Uh, but in terms of the impact on the post-disclosure world, minimal. And so, no, religions are, have been around for thousands of years, and they're going to be around for thousands of years more. Uh, religion is something fundamental to the human condition and to sentient. And it, well, I say thousands of years more. Uh, if we all end up as uploads into a computer, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well there's those discussions is, also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another discussion. But anyway, it's been around a long time. It's not going away anytime soon. Yes. Uh, and uh, unless the ETs can explain how the, 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 the entire origin of this universe, I'm willing to bet they can't. They may know more about it, but let's face it, I mean, no matter what you know, you can always go one step further. Uh, oh, this happened. Okay, well, what made that happen? Oh, well, that made it happen. Well, what made that happen? So uh, mm -hmm. let's don't overestimate uh, what they know. I, I, they may be uh, a little closer to our uh, worldview than we might think. But again, religion is going to be fine, and and stripping that concern has been some of uh, my effort to to uh, debunk that, uh, because again, it is primarily propaganda serving the truth embargo. It is not, I think, valid information for our benefit. So let me ask this: um, Let's imagine that disclosure occurs within thirty days. What do you see happening within the next 30? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say, well, if you mean personally. Well, I get my crystal ball. <laughs> yeah, personally, uh, it's going to be uh, just uh, one big party. I mean, yeah. uh, it's going to be, uh, I've, I've been waiting a long time for it, and so have my colleagues. And, and so hopefully, it'll be fantastic. We won't get carried away uh, and do something, you know, we regret. Uh, but, and, and by that, I mean, in the first 30 days, the temptation to get in front of a camera and tell off every every, every debunker <laughs> and skeptic, right? And and then, you know, and really curse at the government and rage and rant mm -hmm. uh, is, is there. It's going to be there. Uh, I invite people to suppress that. Uh, uh, what we need to be is joyous, grateful, graceful, reasonable, and forgiving within reason and demonstrate that. Uh, yeah, we were right. We've been right for decades. Uh, but fact is being right is 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 overrated. It's one of the things I've learned in life. I think many people don't learn just because you're right. So what? Right. Right. You go, I'm right. Okay, great. Therefore, you will bow down before me. You will give me money, whatever. My life will be better. No, no, no. In fact, being right can be a curse. So when you're right, you're right. The fact is that, that even though we were right about the ET, fundamental ET presence, mm -hmm. uh, there's plenty we got wrong. 
and plenty of other things we've gotten wrong in our lives. So, so yeah, we're right. And so let's use that as a chip that we can put in the pot to get in the game, to be involved in the, the post-disclosure changes that must happen if we're going to save ourselves from the calamity that we're headed for, like a race car. Uh, in other words, a, a chip to get in the game. And and then be generous to everybody else because they're gonna they're gonna be in the game too. Everybody that had it all wrong will instantly go, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, oh, I get it now, I get it now. And I always thought that, you know, whatever. And they're gonna be doing their thing. Yeah. So they're not going away. Uh, we're gonna have to be working with with everybody, whatever their understanding of this issue was, post-disclosure, and let's work together to make something good happen. Beautiful, beautiful. Now we've talked about so many topics uh, and each one of them begs hours and hours and days sometimes of discussions. But in summary, is there anything in particular that you want to leave our viewing audience and even our listening audience with? Yeah. Um, and I do this pretty much with every podcast now. We live in interesting times and I mean, the Chinese curse version of interesting times. Uh, the world is at several breakpoints. Mm -hmm. It's always seems that way. Sure. I mean, at any given time, there's always some problems and there's always some concerns. Uh, pick any century, what have you. Nothing like what we're in now. Nothing. Nothing compared to where we are. Um, and there's a very good case to be made that we're not gonna get out of this century. Now, by that, I mean, the world that we see around us with uh, its benefits uh, is not gonna survive the century. In fact, I don't see it survives the half century. And given how many people are suffering right now, one can only even hardly conceive right. of how much suffering there will be if what we're heading for happens. So we're in, a, we're in deep, as they say, this year is particularly disturbing. Uh, risk of nuclear war is high as ever been. We've had a massive world pandemic that's killed millions and still killing people, and yet huge numbers of people don't even think it happened. Oh, we've got geopolitical issues and breakdowns in politics, particularly in the United States, which is the leader of the the, the quote democratic world or the free world in a sense massive breakdown in politics we can't get anything done all that's happening we're about to go through an election it's going to be awful in ways that we haven't seen before and we've seen some pretty awful stuff this is going to be a terrible political year um and then there is very much risk of of calamities of the traditional type a developing wider regional war the use of nukes Massive terrorism, including nuclear terrorism, uh, again, just bad stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, I'm suggesting that we've been heading towards disclosure for 77 years. We're practically there. It is the one thing that has the power to shift focus, to shift worldview, change minds, to cause a rethinking uh, across the entire human spectrum amongst people and leaders of nations 
even the ones that are essentially, you know, psychopaths. It's all we got. I assure you. Is there some sort of magic diplomacy going on? No. Are there any books being written that will change anything? No. Is social media going to save us? No. We got nothing but disclosure. This world-changing paradigm shift where we have to rethink our entire understanding of where we are in the world, which means the galaxy itself, and know that there is potentially extraordinary possibilities just ahead of us, including open contact. And perhaps the end of private contact, meaning abduction and, and experiences. Uh, they may not have to go through that after disclosure. All of that, an interesting future, all of that is triggered by disclosure. Okay, how do we get disclosure? It has to come from the president if it doesn't come from another head of state. How does the president, how does the president get in a position where he can come forward non-politically and appropriately uh, and and confirm that president. You need the next hearing in the Senate Intel Committee. There's possibly another hearing that's going to be in the House, but that's not the hearing that's going to bring the end of the truth embargo. Everybody knows it's got to be the Senate Intel Committee. It could have been the Senate uh, Armed Services Committee if the issue had emerged politically out of there, but it didn't, not surprisingly, right? The legislation has all emerged out of the Senate Intel Committee, the the one committee in which every member has signed on to this issue in several letters is the Senate Intel Committee, right? No disrespect to the House and the and the hearing that they have held. They plan on doing another hearing, no problem. But the Senate Intel Committee is the committee that deals with the fundamental essence of national security in its full scope. It is nonpartisan as any committee could be. It is dead serious. And it has interviewed many witnesses. There are scores of witnesses now available to it, whose testimony is like Grush's, and in some cases, even more profound. And so all they have to do is bring between 10 and 20 of those up on the hill, pay for their airfare, pay for their hotel, treat them real well, put them down in a chair, put them under oath, and watch and let the world watch them testify under oath, as we did with the Grush hearing, except the audience will be a thousand times bigger. One week of that is all that we'll take. In one week, the president will easily be able to come forward and say, you watched it, I watched it, my secretary of defense watched it, my CIA direct director watched it, my campaign aides watched it, the Congress watched it, and we, we, uh, we agree. I've made calls. We agree. It confirms we're not alone. We have non-human tech. In our hands, we have non-human biologics in our hands, and we've got ETs visiting us right now. That's disclosure. And it cannot happen too soon. And the last thing I'll say in terms of the reason for that is this. This is going to go down one of two ways. They're, they're going to use the excuse of the chaos in the Congress and and, and, and the chaos in the campaign and these unprecedented issues that we're facing politically to delay it. Let's wait another year or so. And this entire campaign will take place, which is going to be awful no matter what. But the 2000 people running for office this year are gonna have this thing hanging over their head where David Grush has basically confirmed we have ET tech and ET bodies. Chuck Schumer has basically confirmed we have ET tech and bodies. 
to Gary Nolan has said we we have ETs here. Tim Burchett has said we've had ETs here. And the whole defense contractor industry, which had to push back aggressively to strip the eminent domain out of Chuck Schumer's bill and Mike Grounds' language, essentially confirmed they have ET tech. Because if they didn't have ET tech, they wouldn't give a damn about his domain uh, requirements that they might have to give it up. And so this thing is literally hanging there. And yet the truth embargo will still be in existence. The president mm -hmm. will still be unable to speak. And so how he's going to answer the questions during his campaign about David Grush, I cannot imagine. But that's true for all 2,000 candidates running for the House, the Senate, and the governorships. It's going to be a fiasco. On the other hand, if we get those hearings and the president can give America the privilege, the high privilege of being the first nation to formally confirm the ET presence, and they get it done, then basically everybody running for Congress is not only going to have an opportunity to get up to speed on, on this, meaning, oh, oh, it's true. Yeah. Okay, let me go read some books. Let me watch a doc. <laughs> let me hire some consultants. You know, in the UAP field, kind of some paid consultants to, to help me with my campaign. That would be nice. I know many people that would love to consult. And then answer questions about it. Give the American people their thoughts, their thinking about the fact we're not alone. And there's ETs here right now, which will include, I assure you, what is your view about the problem with ET abductions and things like that? And that will literally infuse the campaign so that when we have a new government in 2025, the people that are in that government, we will have some sense and will have elected them partially on the basis of what they know, think, and have said about this issue, which is exactly the way democracy is supposed to work and must work if we're going to deal with the incredibly complex, increasingly more complex world. So that, that's the, diff the difference between those two things is non-trivial. And if one is, is going to be an extraordinary year, the other is going to be the year from hell. Mm -hmm. And so there you go. So if you're going to send some tweet, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't use language this strong, but, but if you're going to send some tag tweets, it's shiftstorm.org to the three fine members of our Senate, Schumer, Warner, and Rubio, that we want those hearings and we want them now. I've just given you one reason. I've given you several reasons why you want to send them. Make up 10 different versions and send 10 to each of the 10 versions to each member. And by the way, go to shiftstorm.org. Also go on Twitter and and uh and, and and promote it there. See if you can make it viral. But more importantly, uh if you're in TikTok and you're following some influencers, stick it up. Give them a chance to to find it. Hell, one TikTok influencer with 15, 20 million followers you know, out there uh, could probably turn this, I mean, literally set this whole thing on fire at any moment. So like, uh, you know, the entire social media is in play here. But I, I my world is, is, is Twitter, uh, uh, but others are, are also on, on the social media and, and Facebook. But Twitter has got power. But then so does TikTok and Instagram. Uh, but that's more of a Gen Z and uh, millennial world. Uh, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping others will engage that world while I focus on trying to drive the Twitter uh, virality as much as possible. So that's the reason to do it. And that's what I want to leave you with. That's what's about. We're about to have either 
one of the most extraordinary years that any human being has ever lived through or one more year of absolute hell, right? Pick one. Right. Wow. Well, Steve, this has been such an enlightening conversation. I really appreciate and honored that you came uh, to speak with us today. People, if you're interested, again, in visiting Steve Bassett's website, please check out the paradigmresearchgroup.org. You've been listening to Steve Bassett on Beyond the Skyline. So tune in every Sunday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time for more on UAPs, disclosures, and experiences of all kinds. So until then, keep looking up, folks.